So you know how when you meet some people, they just seem to be stuck. You know, they're not able to move forward. They're just not able to do anything. And if, if they're in business, maybe they're stuck following everybody else's formulas, doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. And then there are some people that you meet who seem full of energy, they're free, they're definitely not stuck. And it's almost like anything is possible for them in business and life. Well, today's guest for the Copywriter Club podcast is the type of copywriter and entrepreneur who broke out of that box a long time ago. She's the type of creative who sees the World Wide Web as the wild, wild west and as an opportunity to build and connect with companies, ideas, and people. And that's the copywriter Liz Wilcox. Before we jump into Liz's interview, this podcast is sponsored by the Copywriter Think Tank. That's our mastermind for copywriters and other marketers who want to, to think outside the box and build new offers and revenue streams in their businesses. Rob, I'm going to interview you. <laughs> Why do you think the Think Tank helps copywriters and marketers experience real results? Why does it work? So I've thought about this a lot recently, and I think one of the things that's really different about the Think Tank is that we don't have a single formula that we're trying to get everybody to buy into or to follow. Some courses, some masterminds, you're working with an expert who's done it their way. And so they teach their way and they expect you to do everything the way that they did it. And that's not our approach. We start out by asking each member about their goals, about what they want to achieve, about the challenges that they're facing, about the impact they want to have in the world, the authority they want to build. And based on those goals, we tailor the experience for each individual in the think tank. And everybody else in the think tank is doing something similar. They're working on their goals, but when you have everybody working together to achieve bigger goals in their business, you start to see what other people are doing. And there's an effect that just happens where everybody grows together. And so it's different from a lot of other programs that are a little bit more rigid. And I think that's one of the reasons why the think tank works. Wow. It's that's a good answer. I feel like you practiced that. It was very smooth. Yeah, not, not practiced at all. I'm the most unpracticed <laughs> person ever in the podcast. So smooth. If the copywriter think tank sounds like something that could help you in your business, you can visit copywriterthinktank.com to learn more. Okay. So let's go to our interview with Liz and find out how she got her start as a copywriter. How did you become this expert in email, email strategist, copywriter, all of these things? Yeah. So this is a really fun story. I think it's a lot different than what you typically hear on the show. Number one, I feel like a lot of, especially email copywriters, they start off as copywriters for other people who are selling products. And I actually started off as a blogger. I was an RV travel blogger. And I didn't even start off traditionally where it was, you know, oh, this is my passion. Uh, you know, I just want to share the word. RVing is so awesome. No, I started off as a business. I knew I wanted to travel um, and I had no means of making money from the road. So, of course, you know, I Googled how to make money from home, saw all these people. Oh, you know, make a million dollars in six months. Just watch my webinar, you know, that type of style. Um and I realized that there were all these people making money from blogs. I saw, especially in the RV space, I saw a lot of bloggers. And I said, oh, well, if they can do it, I can do it too. 
And, you know, I signed up for WordPress. I said, okay, here I'm going to go. And I, from the get go, every, you know, every online guru, so to speak, was saying, you know, my biggest regret was not taking my email list seriously. So before I had even hit publish on my blog, you know, I made sure I had an email service provider set up. And I didn't even have Facebook at the time, but I got back on Facebook, added all my old friends. And, you know, I, I hit publish on my blog and I said, hey, actually, now I live in this RV. I want to get it going. And I heard you can make money on a blog. Please join my email list and I'll figure it out as I go. And I got 100 people on my email list in the first, I don't know, it was like 30, maybe 60 days. It was, uh, you know, I can be persuasive, hence why I'm a copywriter, right? <laughs> and um, from there, I just started, you know, asking them, why do you follow me? Why do you follow me? Uh, people said, well, you're really funny and you can tell a good story. So about six months later, I wrote my first book. I published it. It was a book about poop. <laughs> Nice. And it made over $7,000 in the first 90 days. It got picked up by an international sponsor that gave me $7 for every new lead it generated for them. And I realized like, wow, the money really is in the list because they only had about 300 people on my email list from then. And I just kept, you know, creating digital products, creating digital products. I ended up launching my very first online course about three years into business. I had 141 people on the wait list. By the cart close day, I had made 141 sales. Uh, flash forward a couple of days, or I'm sorry, a couple months later, I actually went to uh, Tarzan K and Sage Polaris. They had some, what was it called? Legendary or something. Yep. And I, and I started meeting all these copywriters. And I had no idea what really a copywriter did. You know, I'd been following some online but I wasn't sure what they did or how they made money. And so I'm meeting all these copywriters and I'm like, but what do you actually do? And they say, oh, sales emails, pages, et cetera, et cetera. I said, oh, well, I do all that for myself and here are the results I've had. And they were like, whoa, you should do that for a living. <laughs> and so I knew number one, like I was apparently very good at writing and I was really good at writing emails because I didn't run Facebook ads. I didn't do social media campaigns all my success just came from email marketing. And so I actually left that conference. I put my RV blog up for sale and I went right into the copywriting business. Nice. Okay. So there's definitely a lot of questions that, that come out of this. First of all, RVing, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, what were, what were you driving? Where did you go? How did you make that work? Cause this is, so this is a dream of mine. I would love to, you know, have the schoolie, the refurb schoolie, yeah. or, you know, uh, uh, maybe a, a trailer um, and, you know, live the van life. Unfortunately, my wife has zero interest in, in that. So I have to do this all vicariously by asking people about their experience. So tell us a little bit about that before we come back to uh, email and copywriting. Yeah, sure. So um, I, I was married at the time and Number one, I hate to clean. And number two, I hate to spend money. So we were moving. He was in the military at the time. And um, the deal on our house fell through. And he made a joke. We were moving to Alabama. And he made a joke about, well, everybody in Alabama lives in a trailer, Liz. Why don't we just buy an RV? And, uh, you know, we'd only been married like a year and a half. He didn't really know me that well. And I said, okay, why not? And so six days later, we bought an RV. And we were living in it. And that's when I kind of thought, hey, you know, this thing has wheels, kind of like Rob just said, like, why don't why don't we move this thing? That sounds really fun. 
And so that's when I started my blog. But about a year later into the blog, I actually started traveling. We traveled full time for about three years. Um, first, we had a big giant fifth wheel. It was about 400 square feet. And then when we started traveling, we realized that was way too big. We downsized into a 32-foot uh, Jayco Greyhawk. You can Google it. It's it's like the picturesque RV. It's, you know, got the cab over it. We have a daughter. She slept up over the cab, and she called it her little princess castle. And it was really fun, but uh, kind of like you said about your spouse, Rob, uh, my husband, who is now my ex-husband, uh, he didn't really care for it either. <laughs> so... Yeah, I have a feeling if if I bought the trailer or whatever, I, I would probably be uh, in a, a very damaged relationship if, if it lasted at all. So, yeah, so that's that's cool. I like part of we both love to travel, um, but uh, she doesn't necessarily love the idea of being on the road all the time as much as, you know, being in cool places. So it is very hard, especially like so today I actually I'm in a hotel room right now at the time of this recording. And earlier I was trying to go up to the business center and print something out. I was working on some client work and I thought, oh, if I just had this printed out, I could refer back to it because I'm just working on my small laptop right now. So it's so hard to go back and forth through the windows. And then the printer wouldn't work. And I said to myself, you know, Liz, you used to live in an RV and do this off campground Wi-Fi. Like, just stop. You can click through the tabs. You're going to be fine. It's all about perspective. And so something I'd love to tell people uh, on top of, you know, my first digital product was literally a book about poop is also like I did, I started my business. I, uh, you know, I started making money online without, without any internet. Like if you've ever been to the woods, like you can imagine what I was working with. Yeah. Uh, so if I can do it, I true, I truly believe anybody with a deep desire can do it too. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. There's a lot to be said for hard work and just figuring things out, especially as you get started. So you, you've mentioned a couple of times, let's talk about the book, uh, the book about poop. Um, I think this might be the first time I've said that word on the podcast in like 260 Congratulations, episodes or whatever. Rob. So, yeah. You yeah. Made it. <laughs> Growing. So um, the obvious questions is like, why, why a book about that? Like, how does that topic you know, come to your mind? What were you thinking? And obviously there was a demand for it. So, you know, tell us a little bit about uh, writing the book and then how you sold it. Yeah, sure. So like I said, and this is great advice for any copywriters out there who are thinking like, well, how the heck do I come up with my first digital product? Like I'm tired of always just doing services. Um, I just asked my audience, of course, I was building my email list. I was kind of all over the place. I was this travel blogger, but I was stationary at the time. I was trying to build up enough revenue so we could hit the road. And so I think I mentioned it earlier. I just asked people in my email, I sent out a newsletter and I said, I'm all over the place. Why the heck do you follow me? And people, oh, you're funny or, oh, you can really tell a good story. Your newsletters are so great. And I, you know, I was actually, I was just driving one day and I was thinking about all these answers, you know, all these replies I was getting. And I thought, funny stories. Yes, that's, I'm a good writer. I know I am. I could create a collection of funny stories about RV life. Cause if you go to, if you go on Instagram right now, you go to hashtag RV life, you're going to find all these beautiful pictures, you know, all these like, come join us now. And we hit the road and, you know, now we live on a hippie commune and see the grand Canyon and our kids are just awesome. You know, all these like picturesque utopia things. But that was not the reality I was living in. I was living 
in Alabama, sweating my butt off, had a leaky roof, had no carpet, a toddler, you know, it was just, it was kind of a nightmare. (laughs) And I thought I can't be the only one like this hashtag RV life cannot be the reality 100% of the time. So I just started asking other RV bloggers that I was, uh, you know, trying to network with, Hey, do you have any kind of story that, you know, it just kind of sucked that day, but in hindsight, it's funny, you know, how about you give me that story? I'll put it in a chapter in my book and I'll give you 50% commissions of whatever you sell. And that worked. I got like 13 different stories. I called it tales from the black tank. If you know anything about uh, RVing, Rob's nodding his head. The black tank is where the sewage goes. Yep, You definitely (laughs) don't want to hook up to the the black tank. (laughs) Right. So tales from the black tank, a collection of hilariously crappy RV stories. And I found that the, the niche, the pain point that I was um, solving, it wasn't, you know, how to actually dump the black tank, how to get in the RV. It was more, it was entertainment purposes, but also it was kind of filling that loneliness gap. When you get on the road, uh, it can be lonely. It can be, uh, you know, like, oh, I'm the only one who's doing that. Maybe my spouse doesn't want to do this, but I really want to do it. And so it's just fine when you can connect with people through laughter, you can remove that loneliness. You can, you know, you feel a little different. And so that's the, that's kind of the pain point that I was scratching and people freaking loved it. And I sold the blog and that I sold the book with it. And that book still sells today. You can Google it. You'll see a picture of me making a funny face in front of the black tank. It's outrageous, but it's kind of funny. <laughs> nice. I like it. And then you said that somebody that you sold it or used it as a lead magnet uh, for, you know, for somebody else. Or is that a different book? Yeah, no, that's the same one. It, what's really great. And Another thing, if you're a copywriter and you're trying to find more clients or even sell more digital products, it's like just partner with people. So the beautiful thing about my book was I didn't even write it. I wrote one chapter. You know, I only had one story. I'd been in the RV like six months and, and I'd never even moved it. Um, but I, having those partners, having those pieces of the puzzle being other people, they were promoting it. Somebody promoted it on Instagram, which I didn't even have an Instagram account at the time. A company just happened to be looking at other RV influencers, I guess, saw it, thought it was hilarious and thought, hey, this is how we are going to connect to the market. This is how we're going to, it was an international company trying to break through to the US. They called me up and, uh, you know, they said, hey, this book is hilarious. We love it. We've showed it around the office. Everyone's laughing. You know, can we use it as a lead magnet? And I was selling it for $10 at the time. And they gave me $7 for every lead. So I can't remember how much money I made, but it was quite a bit, especially for someone who hadn't even been in business for a year. Yeah, I I like this idea. I hadn't really thought about, you know, writing a book that could become a lead magnet for somebody else. And obviously there's probably a um, a more uh, deliberate way to go into it, you know, maybe touching base with a company like that that's trying to break into a market and then creating it on the on the front end as opposed to the way that you did it. But uh, I, I love, you know, something like that, that, you know, obviously was something that was working for your business but could work for somebody else's business, licensing that property out to them or selling that property to them uh, is just kind of a, a cool way to, uh, you know, make more, more headway in your own business. Yes, 100%. Like it is called the World Wide Web for a reason. Like there are so like, it's just bountiful, full of companies, ideas, people that want to partner with you. Um, If you've got something good, 
definitely like if that's a route you want to take, if you think, oh, you know, I can't do client work forever, or I've got this really, you know, I know a lot about X. And so I'm going to write a book about X and you can license it out. That's actually something I'm trying to do, uh, you know, with my business right now, license out my trainings, things like that. I even know of a copywriter who, you know, sells her curriculum to universities now. Like it's a real thing that you can really make happen for yourself. Yeah, I heard of somebody doing that uh, just last week. Somebody was reached, you know, university reached out about licensing a copywriter's training, which I, I love that as well. There's there's so many opportunities out there. It's almost like endless, uh, especially when you start talking to niches as opposed to, you know, like, oh, I'm going to focus on marketing or copywriting or whatever. But when you start getting into niches, there's literally millions, millions of things that we could be doing. Yeah, 100%. Okay, so let's go back then to... Um, you, you, you ditch the blog, you sell that off and you lean all the way into copywriting as a business. What did you do to start, you know, connecting with clients, you know, to start uh, creating, well, you've got a lot of moving parts in your business, but let's start with that. Let's, how did you start connecting with clients and get started you know, actually writing for other people? Sure. So I always knew kind of like when I started my RV blog, I knew I wanted it to be a business. I've always been really firm on the vision and flexible on my details. And so I knew I wanted to go into email marketing. I knew I had a framework that not a lot of people were talking about because I was a very B2C person, right? Very business to consumer. I was talking to people that didn't even want to pay for electricity that, you know, were dying over poop jokes. Like it was a very specific, interesting framework versus the typical like online digital marketing thing. Anyway, so that's when I said, okay, I'm going to go full on into this copywriting service thing because I just met all these copywriters who, you know, live in LA and Toronto and all these fancy places. And I'm, you know, still stuck in my RV uh, in this trailer park (laughs) at the time. And I was like, oh yeah, this is what I'm going to do. So I set up the copywriting services in order to kind of pay for, me building the email marketing digital product side. And so because everyone had kind of already seen my success, I had built my RV travel blog for three years. Um, I put it on the market. And the second it went on the market, the same day I posted on Facebook, just on Facebook. At this time, I probably had one, maybe 2000 Facebook friends that knew me from the RV business, had seen me selling. And I said, hey, you know what I really hate when a friend of mine tries to create an online course and they spend six months to a year agonizing, creating the curriculum, blah, blah, blah. And then they make zero sales. I said, you know, I've sold a book about poop. I've sold an online uh, course about RV maintenance and I've never even changed a tire before. Like I know, I know exactly how to do it and I'm going to share everything in uh, everything with you. Just join my newsletter. And the same, the same as with the RV blog. Um, and I got, you know, my first hundred subscribers at that point, it was like, took seven days or something. And then I said, share it, share it. If you, you know, if you've been watching me the last three years and you think, how the heck does that blogger make so much money? And she hasn't posted a blog in two years, like, you know, share this, share this, share this. And then I started, um, you know, and then I put another post out that said, okay, well now I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I did it through email marketing. I'm going to start um, doing some copywriting services. If you're interested, you know, like the post, send me a DM, comment, whatever. And I had, you know, something like 12 or 13 comments, a couple DMs. And I just, you know, took my sticky note, wrote down all their names and went, you know, in the DMs. Hey, can I have your email? I've got, you know, 
I want to send you the details. Can I have your email? Can I have your email? And I didn't add them to my email list, but I did email them. And I said, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. Uh, you know, I'd heard about day rates. So I was like in a day, I think I can write, you know, X amount. And I kind of, you know, I, if I said I can write eight emails, I said six that way, you know, I'm giving myself some room. Uh, you know, I think I charged a thousand bucks for my first one. I made my first sale in the first couple of days. Cause like I said, I did have that experience, you know, people had been watching me online. So they knew like, oh yeah, I do. I've seen her writing. I've seen her, you know, make sales. Like she's legit. I didn't have to, I already had the social proof. And so I did my first day rate for a thousand. Uh, then I realized uh, that's not enough. I did my second rate uh, for 1200, a couple weeks later, then 1500. And then, uh, within, I think six months I had raised it to 2000 and that's the rate now. That's awesome. And you've been doing it for how long? Um, it will be two years as of December in December of 2021, two years. Okay. That's amazing. And then you said that you were doing the writing to basically allow you the ability to create the products. So talk about some of the products that you've created. It seems like sure. you've got a bunch. Sure. I do. I yeah. do. I love creating products with my RV business. I created over a dozen digital products in three years. I think it might've been even two and a half years. Um, if you name a digital product, I've created it. Uh, I've done digital summits. I still own an RV business. That's a digital summit. Um, but anyway, so yes, that's all, all the copywriting was just to build up cash flow until the products were built up. And actually as of two in that two year mark, December, 2021, I probably won't need to do any more copywriting, um, unless I want to. So right now I, my very first product, I actually, I had a mastermind call. I used to meet with some people at 6am every Monday morning for like three years or something, get yourself some friends. If you don't have any, uh, you can ask me, I will be your friend. <laughs> Just DM me. I've got lots of Facebook friends. I'll, I'll most likely accept your request and read your, uh, message. But anyway, my first product, I was actually, I was part of a summit, the rebel boss virtual summit with Eden freed. And I, I had actually been running her private mastermind for years when I was an RV blogger. And I, so I knew that her summit was going to be pretty big. And so I created my presentation. I had like dancing banana gifs on there. I had sound effects because I really wanted to be noticed. This was my first, like, you know, quote unquote, real publicity. And so I asked my mastermind, like, oh my gosh, my presentation, it goes live in like five hours. I've had it on my to-do list to create a product. Like I know if I don't, like I'm really missing out. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is my plan. And I said, so tell me like, what's, what's your problem with newsletters? Like I, I know I can write them quickly, but like, what's your problem with email? And they said, well, newsletters suck. And I never know what to say. And I said, oh, I can write a newsletter in 20 minutes. Like it's nothing. And they said, oh, well, that's what your product should be. I said, okay, I'm going to name it 20 minute newsletters. I, every, anything I name is like, it's very much like what exactly it is. I, and they said, you know, if you can figure out your outline for a 20 minute newsletter, like that's going to sell. And so got off the call, went, I signed up for Sam cart. I, I had no place to even like get people to buy a product. So I Googled like free trial cart, found Sam cart, uh, set up the page. And I said, okay, well, I'm not going to create 20 minute newsletters unless somebody buys. And, you know, the second my, you know, the 
page went live. Um, you know, the summit started within five minutes of my talk. I had made three sales. So I was like, oh shit, <laughs> I better create this. Right. So I'm like, okay, what do I act? So I went back through all my newsletters. Of course, like I said, I used to own a business. So I had, you know, three and a half now, four years with my new business of newsletters. And I was looking for a pattern of how I was writing. And I found out like, oh, you know, first, and it literally was like, you know, say hello, uh, personal update, segue into content. I'm giving you, you don't even have to buy it now. <laughs> That's the whole thing. And I just put it in a Google doc. I sent it to the people who had purchased like, oh, sorry for the delay. Here's the 20 minute newsletters. I made a video that said, you know, like, here's an outline, gave some examples of what that actually looks like. I ended up making over $500 um, in that first, you know, the product was $22. So I don't know the math, but I made over $500 from that one product that took me, you know, with the, from idea to creation, you know, less than an hour. From there, I created an outline called Just Pre-Sell It, where, you know, I, I pre-sold Tales from the Black Tank. Um, I had made, before I had even created it, um, you know, I had made a couple hundred bucks and I kept doing that over and over with other products. So I created an outline for that. People kept, my open rate is actually crazy. When I sold my RV blog, um, my open rate was over 47%. It was a three and a half year old email list. I had sent over half a million emails um, and I had to think about 6,000 people on the email list. And so people said, how the heck do you do that? And so I just, I made a two hour workshop. I sold that. You can buy that. That's op called Open Sesame. Um, yeah, I think, and oh, and now back in February, my pride and joy, my favorite product to sell is actually a membership. It's called Email Marketing Membership. Hoping the SEO catches up with me on that one. <laughs> And um, it's $9 a month. And I write a newsletter every single week uh, that you can use. I, it comes with a skeleton outline, an email explanation, a detailed template, and two swipes written from two different perspectives, like two different businesses. Um, and in the first six months, I have over 400 members. And as of right now, I'm trying to get 100 members in the next 17 days. <laughs> Nice. Okay. So let me ask about the financial side of that then, because obviously sure. you put a lot of time into creating these products. You are still writing for clients, although maybe, maybe not so much longer uh, in the future. Like how does that break down uh, in your business? Um, what are the percentages and how much are you making from, from digital products? Yeah. So as of today, so summer 2021, I, my digital products are about 40% of my income. I still am making quite a bit from copywriting. Uh, just full disclosure, in July of 2021, I had my best month. I made $15,000. And I would, I'm trying to think of the number. Actually, I think I have it here. I'm obsessed with my numbers, right? And so um, it was about, I would say about $7,000 of that came from the uh, digital product side. And then, uh, you know, the, the 8,000. So that's where I got the 40, about 40% 40 sure. yeah, came better from 40. the copywriting. So, and basically how I've been able to just build that up is doing podcasts like this in 2021. Uh, by the end of the year, I'm hoping to have over 52 interviews. Right now I have almost 40, um, summer of 2021. And so just positioning myself, like I said, I wanted to be the email marketing lady, right? 
And so positioning myself as such in these interviews has allowed those new leads to come in. And most of them honestly didn't even know that I was a copywriter. They didn't know that they could hire me. Um, and so it was, it was actually working pretty, pretty quickly. Um, and I will say also, if you go to my site, you can see I, I now have productized services where you can just buy, you know, five days of emails. You can just yeah. buy a homepage, a sales page. And that was because I was getting all these new leads that were just buying, you know, the products and all of my products are less than $50. Um, I, I want to be very affordable. When I started my business, I was really, really uh, quite poor. So <laughs> I try to price it where it's, you know, really uh, affordable for everyone. But anyway, I realized, oh, wow, okay, there's, there's not enough leads coming in, I still do need to sell some copywriting services. Um, so I put those up. And within this was in like May or June. And within a few days of putting that up, I had made over $3,000 just from, wow. and these, you know, no contracts, uh, you know, no sales calls. It was just, you know, my friends said, oh, wow, awesome. I'd love to refer you. I've never known how. Now I have this hire me page and people were just going up, signing up, filling out the survey, everything that I needed, uh, you know, to, to put, uh, you know, to put their message into copy. And then I, I guarantee a 14 day turnaround once you purchase and fill out the survey. And do you, do you do all of the work yourself or is there, there's so much coming in that you would need to, you know, have a junior writer working along with you or. As of, as of right now, um, I do all the writing myself, but I am in Chicago and I wish that I was working less. So I was actually speaking with a friend yesterday and saying, I think I need to hire a junior copywriter or take down some of those services. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause when I, when I saw them, I'm like, this is, it's so easy to buy from you, whether you want a product or whether you want a service. Uh, so oh, I, I was you. definitely, definitely curious, um, about that. So, um, okay. So. A lot of other things that I want to ask about. You talked for a minute about your framework, you, your framework that's a little bit different. Uh, and I, I think it's follower, friend, customer, if I'm not mistaken. But let's talk about that. Um, you know, how does it work? How does it work in the in what you do? How do you talk about it with your with your clients? Sure. So yeah, the framework that I follow to build my email list, and then the framework that I follow to write newsletters. Um, I think the newsletters one is really different, and I kind of hinted towards it. So what Rob was saying is, and you can get this right on my homepage, I really truly believe email marketing will work for everyone. If you just keep it simple, and you really truly know your people just the way that I was able to sell a book on poop. How did I do that? Because I knew exactly what my person wanted, right? And so basically, first you have a follower, right? They find you on Instagram, you're listening to the podcast, you know, whatever. Then you get them on your list, you can turn them into a friend. Now, I'm not talking about your best friend when you tell, you know, all your juiciest, craziest stories to, you know, you air your dirty laundry out. No, not that type of friend. This is a friend where let's say you went to high school together, you haven't seen them in 10 years. And, you know, you bump carts in the grocery store. Oh my gosh, Rob, I haven't seen you in forever. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I, I'm a copywriter now. Oh, me too. Awesome. Let me get your email. I've got some tips for you. That kind of friend where you're talking a lot about that mutual interest. And of course, you know, you can add in personality. Uh, as copywriters, we know, you know, you need to make a personal connection. But basically, when you have a group of friends like that with that mutual interest and you focus on that mutual interest, 
uh, you know, that's when they can start opening up to you. You can start really knowing those pain points. And so just like I asked my very first email list, like, why do you follow me? And I was able to create a product. Uh, once you know those people really well, and they answer those questions, you can say, hey, I'm thinking of creating X, what do you think? And you can just turn them into a customer quickly. There's no guessing what they want. There's no, Rob mentioned earlier, like it's so easy to buy from you, Liz. That's because I knew what they were, all those productized services, it was an email. I said, hey, if you could buy one thing from me, uh, you know, that was at an affordable price, what would it be? And then literally the replies started coming in. I started writing them down. They were on the page the very next day. And so, of course, there are things that people want to buy. They're in an easy to find place because those are the things people told me. And so when it comes to writing your newsletters, and this is this is the podcast and the listeners that might burn me at the stake for this. <laughs> I do not encourage anyone to tell stories in newsletters. I think that is a little bit of outdated advice. I'm I'm sweating. (laughs) We're going to come for you. Yeah. The the listeners and the pitchforks there is coming. And like I mentioned, I, I sold to an audience full of, you know, people that didn't want to buy electricity, people that had never heard of a digital course. When I first created my online course, the very first FAQ in my FAQ email was what is a digital course? They had no idea what it was. And so I had to find a way, um, aside from the typical tell a story, create a hook, you know, segue into, et cetera, et cetera. I had to find a different way to connect with people. These people were traveling. They had terrible internet. They were subscribed to many different RV blogs. These are, uh, you know, Pinterest and Google search kings and queens, and they are just signing up for everything. They follow everyone online. It's how do I make myself stand out? And also these people are tend to be in their 60s and 70s. My ideal avatar was like, you know, a 66-year-old guy named Jeff, right? Like I could not be any further from Jeff, right? And chances are the stories I want to tell him, he doesn't actually care about. So I had to come up with a different framework and I mentioned it in my 20 minute newsletters kind of outline. So instead of telling stories, I really encourage people to give personal updates. The thing, the thing about stories is chances are most people, uh, you know, most of your audience, if you're a copywriter and you're talking to your, um, your client, chances are they're not a professional storyteller like you are right? They don't get paid to sit down and write and craft these beautiful stories and, you know, create these amazing hooks that get you to click over to a $5,000 program and get you to have that emotional, you know, logical argument with themselves in order to purchase, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And chances are that their client, their ideal person doesn't have time to read those, especially in a post COVID world where we just spent the last 18 months on our phones, subscribing on Pinterest, on Google, all the Facebook groups, all the Instagram lives, we are completely burnt out. And so because everyone is doing these stories, everyone is following the same type of framework with their newsletters. It's actually what I believe it's actually teaching subscribers to say, oh, well, I know that's a story and I don't have time for that because actually my brain is pretty fried. So I'm going to leave that for later. 
And so your open rate continues to go down and down and down. And so when you can just make that quick personal connection, like I talked about bumping carts with Rob in the grocery store. Oh, you're a copywriter too. Awesome. Oh, I got to go. Let me give, you know, give me your email. I just want to send you a quick tip real quick. But my kids over here, you know, opening the Captain Crunch. That's relatable. It's a quick connection. You can make that, you know, again, that human connection without going on and on and putting the hook first. And then, you know, it's like, just get on with it. I've heard so many people, oh, I, I hate newsletters, Liz. This is in my personal life. I hate newsletters, Liz. How can, you, how can you market that? How can you teach people to do that? They're so annoying. I have 10,000, you know, unread emails. And I'm like, well, no, that's not, that's not what we're doing. So a personal update, I always recommend just two to three sentences. Like, you know, hey, I just interviewed, this is me writing Rob's right now. Hey, I just interviewed this girl named Liz Wilcox. I can't believe it, but we were talking about poop on the podcast. It's going to premiere in a couple months. Anyway, I've got to go with my wife to the store. You know, here, here's what I really want you to know. Uh, you know, here's on maternity leave. The Facebook group just hit X, you know, whatever. Peace out, Rob. And that's, you know, that took 20 seconds. I always say if you're taking more than 20 minutes to write your newsletter, you're really overthinking it. And chances are, if you're taking 20 minutes or more than 20 minutes to read it, it's going to take way too long to, or if you're taking 20 minutes to write it, it's going to take way too long to read. And that person is going to tune out and they're going to stop opening your emails. Yeah. I like that. You just wrote our next uh, weekly update. Look, look for that. On, well, by the time this, by the time this uh, broadcast, we will have mailed it already, but uh, that's good advice. So I'm assuming I'll because you the invoice, Rob. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. So because, you know, you're obviously anti-story, um, your audience is not necessarily copywriters. Who are the people who are buying, you know, all of the digital pro- products that you're selling? Yeah, I have such a plethora of, um, you know, customers, students, clients. It's crazy. Just this year alone, I've worked with a company that launches your remains into space. How they looked at my website and said, yes, this is the lady. (laughs) I'll never know. Um, But also just down to, you know, people who are just starting their blog and they have no idea except they heard email marketing was it. And so I tend to work with a lot of, like I said, B2C, uh, business to consumer. And so bloggers, Etsy makers, Shopify owners, um, uh, tech startups, apparently, you know, people who launch your remains into space. Um, Who else is a big one? I do. I do have some service providers, some copywriters that, you know, just like my approach, they they saw my website and they're like, oh yeah, this girl can write. So they like to do that. Um, but mainly a lot, a lot of B2C um, companies, whether they are digital or actually in person. Okay. And you, you talk about how stories aren't necessarily working right now, maybe ever, or, you know, because of what's happened over the last couple of years, what else is not working in emails or what else are we getting wrong as we're mailing to our list or trying to attract people to the things we want to share? Well, I think there are, especially in this audience of listeners, they're probably doing it right. But a lot of people uh, with the stories, they're just along with that. um, They don't bury their emails, right? They're not, uh, you know, they're either always 
pretty long or, you know, always really short. I think you can really vary your emails that way your customer, like I said, they, they're not trained to not open. Oh, that's another really long one. I can't read that. Or they're just sending me this, right? If you're just always sending out the same thing, then, you know, that's going to train someone to save it for later. And you might as well, you know, that's just going to go to the abyss of unopened, right? We never want them to save it for later. We want them to open it right then and there. I really enjoyed hearing about Liz's start to her career in business. And I also liked hearing about your RV travel dreams, Rob, but it sounds like that's not going to happen anytime soon for you. Yeah, sadly, I think I'm uh, I'm going to be an airplane and hotel traveler for the short term here until I can, you know, convince my wife that uh, kidding out a van and traveling around the world is the way to go. So we'll see. There's there's some more uh, there's some more convincing that needs to happen, but we'll see. It'll, we'll get there. But you created the course on persuasion, Rob. So you can do this. You can persuade your wife to make this happen. Working on You've it. You've got. All everything you need. Yeah, working on it. I see the the problem here is that the number one best way to persuade somebody is to step into their worldview. And my wife does not share the worldview that driving around in a sprinter van or a schoolie is uh, the right way to travel. So yeah, like I said, a little bit more work to do, but it'll, it'll, we'll get there. So uh, and I know for a fact here that you've got some travel dreams too. So you know, a couple of weeks ago we talked about with John Mulry about some of the traveling stuff that he did, the crazy stories that he had. I think you and I both are missing traveling right now, not being able to go you know, out of the country or in some cases out of the state. Um, but what are your biggest travel dreams? Well, I actually was trying to travel to France and to, to kind of hop around a bit on a, a little adventure with my husband um, and to take our baby. But just because, you know, things have been so crazy with travel and uh, we're not going to be able to do that with the baby anytime soon, but I still am dreaming about it and dreaming even about living abroad and, and spending some time in Europe over the summer and uh, maybe even a couple months with the family and just, you know, really kind of taking advantage of the virtual lifestyle that we've created for ourselves and actually, you know, going somewhere and spending some time there. So I'm figuring out logistics. Of course, logistics are so much, it's, there's so much more intense right now, but it could still be possible for summertime 2022. So I'm working on that. What about you, Rob? Yeah, I, I'm going to be going to Orlando a little bit later this fall for a mastermind retreat. But other than that, I don't have a lot of travel plans. So we'll we'll see how it goes. But enough about you and me and what we're doing. We need to talk about this interview that we just did with Liz and all the awesome things she just said. Yeah, I mean, there was so much in this interview. It was packed. Um, Liz just gave us, I see why she is pitching podcast <laughs> and that's part of her strategy because she gives so much and just shows up fully as herself and just delivers, um, so much great advice in the podcast. So it was really fun to listen to it. Um, you know, what was something really big that stood out to you as you were talking to her through this interview? Well, this is less about what she shared, but, and more about what you were just saying is Liz comes across as so friendly, so genuine and so warm that you just kind of want to hang out with her. And so I have, you know, all kinds of respect for that. And it's no wonder that she's been as successful as she has been, but, you know, talking about some of the specifics, you know, I love the way that she put together her book. It wasn't even really a book around copywriting, but uh, basically she created this product 
that because she almost, you know, crowdsourcing is not maybe not the right word here, but because she kind of crowdsourced it, she knew that she had a ready audience. She put it together. She was able to sell it. Um, you know, it was an easy thing to promote because of what it was and, and who was on her list and the kinds of communities that she was around. And that's a bit of a model for us to follow too. You know, if you want to create a product in your business, and and when I say product, I also mean service you need to think about, okay, who is in the community that I'm serving? What is the thing that they need or that they'll be attracted to? You know, when you promote it, how are you going to talk about it in a way that makes that attraction really obvious? All the things that Liz did when she promoted her RV book are things that we can do when we promote not just books, but products, services, all the things that we do to our niche audience. Yeah. And I, I love that Liz talked a lot about partnerships and, you know, you and I have a business partnership. We have talked to a couple other people about business partnerships, but you know, she's really approaching her business like oh, totally open to multiple partners and opportunities. And I think that's an area that scares a lot of people because it feels like a huge commitment or it feels like you just have to focus on one. Um, but she just is so open to possibility and where a partnership can be a win. Um, and I think it's it's a great way to approach our business as copywriters because there are a good amount of partnerships out there that we could develop. And it doesn't just have to be, you know, a partnership similar to our partnership where you kind of go all in on one big business. You can form multiple, you know, maybe smaller partnerships on different products that you create too. Um, so that really stood out to me. I also loved how um, she, her naming process for her offers. So she created the offer called the 20 minute newsletter, 20 minute newsletters to help you write your newsletters in 20 minutes. And, you know, we often as copywriters, we get so caught up in the creativity and our own clever ability to name our products and offers. And I love that she's just so clear and, and her offers creation. Uh, but it's, it's so compelling in that title and the offer that she created. I love that. Yeah. And it's not just how simple the name is. It includes the benefit, the promise, you know, the, the 20 minutes part is really the, the thing that's attractive. You know, if you're, if you're writing newsletters all the time, there's a big promise right in the name. And I think that's a, a fantastic way to think about the products that we create. You know, can you put the benefit right in the name? So it's crystal clear from the moment somebody hears about what it is that you do what it is and what they're going to get out of it. And you know, when it comes to naming, and we kind of did the same thing with the Copywriter Club, that's not necessarily a benefit-oriented name, but it's very simple. It's really clear who we're for. We're for copywriters. And that's pretty much it. A uh, little bit of a silly name maybe, but it says exactly what we do and who we're for. I remember the first time I heard the name, the Copywriter Club, I was kind of like, huh. Hey. Yeah, Rob's pretty you know, dumb with we that. Think, I think we can be a little bit more creative here. Like, we've got this. But now I get it, Rob. I get it. And you came up with that, and it's crystal clear. And, um, you know, four years into it, I I like the name. So thanks for being so so clear with the business we're building. Um, so also, we talked about newsletters. Liz said something that was maybe controversial. Um, it definitely stood out to me when Liz said, we maybe shouldn't share stories in newsletters. It might not be the best way to approach our newsletters um, by dropping in all these stories uh, and instead sharing personal updates. So, you know, Rob, as you heard that, did you gasp? Did you fall off your chair? 
did you get it? Like, how did that, how did you react to that? Yeah, I, I didn't necessarily gasp, but I kind of wanted to argue. I was like, wait a second, everybody's talking about, you know, we need to think about stories. We need to, you know, involve people with the narrative that we have. And I don't think that Liz was really saying no stories because when she reports on personal updates, she's basically telling a story about what she's doing. So I think it's reframing what that story is. You don't need to go outside of your own personal experience in order to find the stories, I think is really her main thing. It's like, look, just keep it centered on what you're doing. Keep it centered on the audience that you serve. You know, it doesn't matter if you, you know, read an interesting book or you're not always trying to tie in the latest movie into a newsletter. You can simply do it with what you're doing in your business. And I do think that that's a really smart approach. Uh, is it right for everybody? Maybe not, but it's probably a good approach for a lot of people who struggle to find stories to share in their emails. Maybe it's a way to just notch down the the way that you approach that so that it's a little easier. Yeah, it helped me to hear that because I am someone who takes way longer than 20 minutes to write an email. Um, I pour a lot of time into it. They're usually quite lengthy, as you know. Um, and so hearing Liz share that, that you know, it really doesn't have to take more than 20 minutes and it's okay. It can be quick, but you can create that human connection in a couple sentences. It takes the pressure off someone like me who wants to create, you know, like a thesis in every every single email that goes out and it gives us permission. At least for me, I felt like, okay, this gives me permission to kind of try to write an email using a different approach and maybe, you know, create more content because it's not taking me a day to write every email. It's taking me 20 minutes to write an email. Um, so I think that was really helpful for copywriters who struggle with that. Yeah. And I, I do think it matters what the purpose of the email is. You know, we're specifically talking about newsletter type emails, catch you up, what's going on. Here's, you know, what to expect or here's what's coming or here's some things that I noticed. Like I agree for those kinds of updates you know, writing it quickly, getting it out, not focusing too much on the story can be a, a really solid approach. But if it's a sales email, if it's, you know, a, a welcome sequence where you're trying to introduce your brand or you're trying to introduce products, there may be some exceptions to that rule. Uh, so, you know, use that rule and Liz's advice as it benefits you in your business. And if it's not working for a particular uh, type of a project that you're working on, then, you know, jump back to other ideas for emails. So Rob, you're giving me permission to write the 6,000 word email that I prefer. So I'm getting permission to do continue doing that. Thank you. I've got all the permission I need. Uh, so something that also stood out to me was what Liz mentioned. We didn't really focus on it in the interview, but how she's created her pricing to be affordable. And that grabbed me because so often in our conversations with copywriters and service providers, we're trying to figure out like, okay, how do we pack in the value and charge as much as possible. And like, let's increase your rates as quickly as we can. Um, and that's all good, especially if, if you're struggling and you aren't charging enough um, and you're burnt out in your business because you're working all the time. But I also love that Liz is approaching her business and how she works with clients in a different way and trying to build packages that are affordable um, without, you know, without forcing her to burn out and to do it strategically so that it works for her business and it's not viewed as a loss or like, oh, I'm not I'm not good enough to charge more. It's more like I'm charging this because I want them to be able to afford it and I know my ideal client can afford this type of package and not the $10,000 VIP day. 
and I'm going to make this for them because I know what it was like to struggle, you know, to buy that type of package. And so it's just something that I think it's, it's, we should talk about more frequently, or at least as frequently as we talk about raising your rates and charging those premium prices, which is also okay. There are two different approaches. Yeah, for sure. And uh, either way is good. I think you just have to know what's going to work in your business and what's not. Yes. So um, Rob, anything else that stood out to you from this part of the conversation? Um, not really. I mean, you know, the idea that you know, you want to vary your emails just a little bit that, you know, you want your, um, your readers to engage now and not to think, oh, you know, I'm going to say this for later. I, and by the way, I do this in my inbox all the time. You know, I'll get emails from, you know, gurus or experts that I respect, but I don't have time to go into it right now. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'll read that later. And, you know, several weeks later, you know, maybe I find it back in my inbox. And so I think that's really good advice is that if you can make your emails and there are exceptions to this rule, but if you can make your emails so that people want to engage in them now, they're short, they're quick, they're, or, or there's a ton of value that's immediately obvious so that they want to keep reading, really good idea. And it helps keep people engaged in your list. Okay, let's get back into our interview and hear about how Liz has dealt with her own business struggle and how she's leveled up. Let's also talk a little bit about, um, you know, like what you've done to level up, because obviously coming from where you started, you know, a couple of years ago, blogger, travel blogger or, or RV blogger to um, you know, launching courses and uh, even products that people can buy on your site and you know, serving clients, like you've come a long way. So talk a little bit about the mindset challenges and things that you've had to overcome, uh, beliefs that you've had to change as you've gone from literally zero to where you are today. Sure. So I always like to say that I did not have the privilege of having a terrible mindset or getting hung up on I'm not good enough, or what if this writing sucks, or, you know, all those typical things that I especially see in the Facebook group. I grew up very, quite poor. Um, and I've always just had to do things. My mom uh, instilled in me from a young age, if you want something, you just have to go out and take it because no one is going to give it to you. And also, I, I will say I am also an Enneagram three. So I'm a high achiever. I like people to think as much as I don't want to admit, I care about what other people think. I like for people to think that I am the best, <laughs> right? So I will admit that um, rashes and all. Um, but when I started my business as with the RV blog, especially I mentioned it earlier, like I started it as a business. And for me, I just took it very seriously from the beginning. I wasn't dabbling. I wasn't like, oh, maybe I'm good at this. And someone gave me the idea, oh, you should start a blog or, oh, you should be a copywriter or you should have a side hustle. It wasn't that I had decided it on my own and I was always very firm in my vision. And, um, it just in my personal life, financially, I have to support a lot of people. And so when I realized you can make money online, I thought, oh, that's my ticket out of poverty. That's my ticket. Uh, my mom, she up until April of 2020, she lived on eight mile in Detroit, because that's all I could afford to give her living in a separate household. And I love you, mom, but you're not living with me, <laughs> especially when I lived in the RV. That was definitely not going to work. Um, 
And so when I realized you could, you know, I watched those webinars and I saw those people making money and I thought, okay, this is my ticket. And there never was a, but what if I can't? It was, my mantra was always, why not me? I know I'm smart. I might not be the smartest person. I didn't even know what a copywriter was until three months before I started calling myself a copywriter. <laughs> so I guess there might also be an element of cockiness there. I don't know. <laughs> um, but really, it was just not allowing myself to think about or to go to a place where I'm not good enough. It was, oh, wow, they're doing that. Let me see what I can do with that, too. Let me see how, like, if everybody's digging, how can I just zag a little bit to make myself stand out, um, you know, while doing my own thing? I always picture, like, when I, when I have to work and, you know, I see all these things on Facebook or, you know, I'm on Instagram and I start to even feel those emotions of, oh, I don't know if I'm good enough or, oh, gosh, I can't believe that person did that. I didn't think of that. I just literally picture myself like a horse with blinders on. And it's like, Liz, just do the one thing. And to wrap all that up, I love the story. So in my brand, if you go to my website, you'll see very quickly, I'm very like 90s pop culture. I love talking about NSYNC, uh, you know, Will Smith fresh is Prince. another. Yeah, yeah I, Fresh I, Prince. Um, if I wasn't traveling, I always wear my Fresh Prince to interviews because it just, he's such a big inspiration to me. And so I have this Will Smith story. Well, Will Smith has this story that I tell. Uh, so I do believe stories work. I just don't think they have a place in newsletters every single week. All right. So anyway, come full circle there. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's good. We've made people happy again. Thank you. Okay. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> Namaste, y'all. Um, so Will Smith tells this story about when he was young, you know, we all know he grew up in West Philly, born and raised, and his dad bought a building downtown. He bought this warehouse and it was dilapidated and he took his kids there and he said, we're going to, we're going to rebuild this building. And they said, dad, that's impossible. This is, you know, it's torn down, it's broken. And he said, we're going to do it brick by brick. And I can't remember how long it took, probably at least a year. And literally they just laid a brick and, you know, one brick at a time. And he says, you know, in my career, I've just, you know, where everyone else is trying to get to act. I've just been laying one brick at a time. And you do that enough times. You lay your brick as perfectly as a brick can be laid. You do that over and over and over. And soon you have a wall. And that's always been really inspiring to me. And that's how I am. I just put my blinders on and I just lay my brick. You know, I just start my blog, start my email newsletter, sell my first product, sell my second, my third, you know, even with the productized services, ask, you know, send out the email gather the results, put it out there, make my first sale, create the survey, right? Like, oh shit, it's selling. Let me create this just brick by brick by brick. And soon I have a wall, just like I said at the beginning, you know, it was sell my copywriting services until my, you know, digital products took over the business, so to speak. And I just do that every single day. And it's working for me. And I just, if you have never heard that story, Google Will Smith brick story. He tells it better than me, I'm sure. It's his story. Um, but it's really, really inspiring. And that's how I uh, tend to live and build my business. So I, lo I love that story. I'm definitely going to have to look it up. 
Um, yeah, Will Smith, there's a lot to admire about his approach to his career for sure. He's so good. Yeah, very good. Okay, so uh, you mentioned that your goal is to get on a uh, hundred, I think it was a hundred podcasts. Obviously this is, maybe I maybe got the number wrong, but um, obviously this is a big part of building your authority. Talk a little bit about that process. I know you haven't been, so the reason I w- would love for you to talk a little bit about this is because I think you're doing something differently than what most people do. Most people you know, figure out all the podcasts and they write their pitches and they get kind of hung up on it because it's really, um, you know, time intensive. And I think you've had some help with that. Would you talk a little bit about how you have landed on so many podcasts so far and you know what you're doing to, to get out there? Sure. So of course I do want to mention, you know, again, I did have a business before this and I was interviewed on some podcasts, of course, in the RV space, there's not as many as there are in copywriting, digital marketing, et cetera. So I'm pretty sure I did the whole tour on all the podcasts. I might've even created one or two. Um, but basically, I knew that I was starting out, I did sell my business and I had some money uh, from that business. And I used that money to pay myself in case I didn't find any client work. Um, but I knew in order to position myself, I needed to get on podcasts, I needed visibility, I knew with 100% certainty, I did not want to run Facebook ads. Uh, I believe Mark Zuckerberg has enough money. <laughs> And, you know, and I don't. And so I knew I didn't want to run Facebook ads, um, you know, for personal, uh, you know, ethical reasons, but also because I didn't have a lot of money to start out with. I was starting basically at zero. Um, I was also when I was starting my business, I was also getting a divorce. A lot of money was tied up. I was moving. I was traveling. I was living in an RV. It was a lot, you know, to learn Facebook ads would have just been too much. And so I knew if I can get in front of people, people like me, I know that's one of my strengths is the ability to get noticed, the ability to have people listen to me. Um, And I knew that my perspective on things was just different enough to get people to pay attention. And so I knew podcasting was going to be a big part of that. And so as I was doing the client work, it was probably, uh, you know, about nine months in, I said, okay, Liz, you've got your first product, you, you know, you made $500 a couple months ago. Now it's made, you know, let's say maybe double that, but your email list is not growing the way that you want to. You've really got to start getting on podcasts. You know, that's got to be your next brick. Right. And so I started pitching myself, um, just to people that I knew that had podcasts. Hey, can I come on your podcast on Instagram? Like, Hey, do you have a podcast? Let me on. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not very shy when it comes to self-promotion. If you do not hype yourself, no one else will. You have to be, you have to be your own marketer, right? And that's for every, just like, you know, as copywriters, we believe all words are copy, right? Everything you write for your business is copy. Everything you put your face on is marketing, right? It's the same thing. And so I actually, you know, I had pitched myself, gotten on a few, and then I was actually, a client was introduced to me, referred to me, and I got on the phone with her. We did, I do like these one hour sessions called Digital Get Downs, which actually is an in sync song. <laughs> it's all in my business. Uh, but we just meet for one hour and I do some copy editing for you, stuff like that. And she was a podcast uh, broker, which means she, you know, she pitches you for podcasts. And I kind of heard about that and I had always heard, like, oh, don't do that. Don't do that, you know. 
Um, they won't pitch you the same way. It will be impersonal. And I thought, well, you know what, Liz, like you're, you've got so much client work right now, which you actually need to eat. Like you're a single mom, you support two households, you know, you, like you need this client work, but you know, for your vision, you need the podcast. And so I just decided to invest. It was a three month thing. She guaranteed two podcasts a month. I said, okay, I'm going to really knock it out of the park. She's going to help me figure out my pitches. Um, you know, I know if I can get on some good podcasts, I'm going to find some leads that I was confident about. So I was willing to put in the money and just like, you know, I feel confident when I'm selling my own services, like you give me the money, I'm going to produce the results. Right. So I decided to, you know, reciprocate that and it worked really well. And it also what got, you know, what got me really excited was, you know, Hey Liz, you got a booking, you got a booking. And then I thought, Oh, well I should, you know, set aside some time and I'll pitch and I'll get double the results. You know, she's pitching for me. I'm pitching for myself. And it just really started taking off. I decided to um, take Mondays and Fridays in my business. I only work on LizWilcox.com. And part of that is pitching, you know, marketing, et cetera, et cetera. It's the reason why I'm able to, why my website looks so good. Why you're able to purchase from me easily is because I, I treat my business better than I treat my clients. Sorry guys, if you're listening and you've ever given me money, like LizWilcox.com always comes first. And so I was just pitching myself, pitching myself. And Rob did misspeak. My goal is only 52, one for okay. each week. Um, but a hundred could be nice. Put it out there, put it out there in the universe. Maybe, maybe I'll get a hundred by the end of the year. I don't know. I'm at about 40 right now. Um, but also just, you know, the podcast pitching, uh, having someone do it for me, doing it uh, for myself at the same time. I also joined podmatch.com and I've done just in the last six weeks, I've gotten something like, I don't know, eight or nine bookings from podmatch.com. Having that pitch, knowing what I'm going to talk about, um, is really super easy to pitch people. Also periodic once a month, I'll say, Hey, do you have a podcast on my Instagram? Um, I have a lot of people that watch my stories because I share a lot of ridiculous 90s and 2000s pop culture jokes. Um, so I've been, you know, naturally I'll say, oh, yeah, I haven't I have a business to run. Do you have a podcast? Here's what I can talk about. And I'll, I usually get at least one every time. Um, and then. Yeah, I think that's it. Just really not being afraid to market yourself and making it a priority. So obviously podcasting is number one. Are there other things that you're doing to build your authority for your business? Sure. I also do summits. Um, and what I love about doing summits is I use something called Ecamm Live. And that's what allows me to have the dancing gifs and the sound effects and the slides and things like that. Um, and people really like me. Like I mentioned the Rebel Boss Summit. I remember last year when I did it, um, I told her how many sign I had gotten something like over 500 signups from her summit. And she said, holy crap, that's like 15% of my entire audience. And so when I, that is something I said, oh, well, clearly I'm very good at getting leads that way. And so I started asking the same way as podcast, do you have a summit coming up? Anytime I saw a friend talking about getting on a summit, I said, hey, are they still taking speakers? And I actually have a signature talk that I do. I actually have three now 
that I can pitch just like a podcast. I have the slides. It's very easy, 20 to 30 minutes to record. And also I've just recently gotten into a lot of JV partnerships, um, doing them with people reaching out. I actually have a task on my uh, on my to-do list once a month now to reach up, reach out to at least 10 new partners a month, asking if they, you know, ha- have any kind of private training that I can come in and do, or, you know, if they want to come into my audience doing things very mutually. I really, truly believe in community over competition, collaboration over competition, that RV summit that I was, I sort of mentioned, I actually own that with three partners. Um, so I'm used to working with different people. I'm, you know, my first product, like I said, had 12 other people involved in it. Um, and I believe that's the quickest way um, to grow your authority and to help others grow their authority is to just share each other's work. Yeah, I love that. Okay. So what comes next for you, Liz? All the stuff that you've accomplished over the last couple of years, what's the next big thing? A million dollars, baby. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm hoping by, December 2021, my products will fuel my entire business. Um, And I'm just doing copywriting with people that I just think are super fun. Um, And then from there, I'm not really sure. I just want to be the email marketing lady. I think it's super fun. I love talking about email. um, And I I love seeing people succeed where they thought it wasn't possible before. I, I'm not at home, but I have a sticky note on my computer at home that says my definition of success is to be an example of what's possible for others. And so that's one of the reasons why I just try things. I don't overthink it. I really, you know, I've always been, even in my personal life, I was always the sibling that was, you know, oh, look at what Liz is doing for better or for worse. Sorry, siblings. But so that's really ingrained in me to be that sort of model behavior. And so I don't know exactly what's next other than selling more products. Um, I'd really like to get into buying and selling businesses. I sold my first, I'm selling my second at the end of the year, um, hoping to take that money and, you know, buy a business, build it, you know, kind of like flipping houses, but flipping blogs. Um, But in general, I just really strive to be an example of what's possible. And hopefully even, you know, this podcast as it lives on will inspire more copywriters to get out there, create their own things, because uh, it, tru- it truly is very possible for you. You're an expert in your field. You know what you're talking about. And if you just ask around a little bit, uh, you know, you don't even have to come up with the idea. People will tell you. Awesome. All really good advice. Liz, if somebody has been listening and they're like, okay, I've got to get more Liz in my life, or maybe they want to, you know, buy one of your, one of your products, where should they go? Sure. Just go to LizWilcox.com. Um, for all you copy geeks out there, read the, read the copy. I think it's really fun. <laughs> um, but if you want to get on the email list, of course, that's where I want to hang out with you. You can click in the top right-hand corner. There's a button that says free email swipes. You'll get a welcome sequence that I've written. If you're into welcome sequences, you can check that out. You'll also see how I do it a little differently with the personal updates. I've got newsletter um, suggestions there and also 52 subject lines that have garnered me an over 40% open rate over the years. Um, Or if you want to hang out on Instagram, that's where I hang out on social media the most at the Liz Wilcox, T-H-E. 
um, in my Instagram stories is where I spend most of my days. Oh, wow. That's a Will Smith thing. <laughs> I've got him on the brain. Um, and that's where I share email tips. Um, I, you'll be able to see me really modeling how I'm able, I mentioned my email marketing membership. I want to get a hundred people in the next day, uh, you know, 17 days. And I do that mainly through just hyping myself. And so watching me on social media, I think would be really helpful for you. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, Liz. We appreciate your time. This is fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much. This is a dream come true. I appreciate you. That's the end of our interview with copywriter Liz Wilcox. Before we go, there are definitely a couple of other things that, you know, we, that stood out that we want to highlight. And one of those that Liz mentioned is this goal to be on 52 podcasts in a year. That's a lot. We've talked with others that have had similar kinds of goals. Uh, what do you think about that, Kira? You know, I'm all for pitching podcasts, speaking on podcasts. I think it can it can really change a business with the visibility, but also just change the way you feel about your business by speaking about it and building your own confidence. And then as an added bonus, you get to test ideas um, in real time and get feedback even from the podcast host as you're talking about a concept. You can see the reaction or hear the reaction from the host if they're interested, not interested. And then ultimately when the audience hears the podcast, you can get feedback like what did they follow up and ask you if they asked you anything what resonated so for testing your own concepts and um, material it's worth it so i love that she's doing it i love that she set a big goal when i was just getting started i set a goal for uh, pitching 30 podcasts in 30 days i think i ended up with 27 and just going through that process of pitching allows you to um, focus on your own visibility, forget about failure because it's more about the action you're taking than the result. And, um, and so I think it's a really smart way to focus on visibility. And she, I love that she is so self-aware to know that she shows up well on podcasts, like we've already said, and not everyone does, right? It doesn't mean you can't do it. There's always, you can always practice, you can improve, but it's important to know you know, have that self-awareness to know where, where is your strength in terms of visibility? Is it writing that 6,000 word um, blog post or is it showing up in video or is it speaking as a guest in a podcast like Liz has done so well or something else? And so we don't all have to do this and do what Liz is doing, but just know what works for you and what you're excited about, what energizes you as you're building out your own marketing strategy and marketing plan. Yeah, the thing that I like about this is just Liz taking massive action towards reaching a goal. I mean, we've seen other people do similar things. Robert Lucas, you know, wrote a sales page every day for a month, and he talked about it on our podcast a year or two ago. Justin Blackman with 100 headlines for 100 days and that project. And um, McKay saying when she pitched 100 podcasts in three days, like anytime you've got a goal like this and it forces you to take massive action, you tend to get some really positive results at the end. And it's because you're focusing your energy on accomplishing this big goal. It gets noticed by people. And even if it doesn't get noticed by people, it starts to develop a habit, develop skills. It gets you in places that you might not have been otherwise. So, uh, you know, it may not be podcasts for you or for me or for anybody else listening, but it might be something else. So setting a goal like that is, is super smart. And then she recognized that she needed some help in order to get out there. And so, you know, it's okay to hire help to help you get your goals accomplished and in order to get more done. 
All right. So, you know, there's so much that stood out to me, but I'm just going to kind of run through a couple of key ideas. One was the question, why not me? And that, that idea, Liz just, you know, jumps into like, why can't I do this? Why not me? And I think that that is so needed when we're getting our business started and um, we could all benefit from that question. And also I wanted to share how she approaches focus in her business. And I love the idea that she thinks about herself as a horse with blinders on and just doing the one thing in front of you, focusing, laying that um, brick one at a time, you know, like Will Smith shared in his story, uh, bird by bird, but just focusing on those little pieces that start to add up and the bricks that turn into a wall. I think that's just so important to not get overwhelmed uh, by the big picture sometimes as I do. Uh, so just falling back into that, you know, let's just build it piece by piece and stay focused on what you're doing and what's in front of you rather than focusing on what everybody else is doing. Um, just that's so important. Yep. I agree hundred percent. I love the, the brick by brick or bird by bird idea. It's the way that careers are built. Uh, almost nobody starts with a wall built for them. And so we've got to do it one step at a time, you know, brick by brick. Yes. And Liz also shared you know, she said it so confidently and I, I love that she just owned this. She said, I treat my business better than my, my clients. And she's owning that. It's so important. If you want to grow your business, it does not mean that you are failing your clients. It does not mean that you don't care about your client work. Um, it doesn't mean that you're not successful or helping your clients be successful in their own business, but it means that you're taking care of your own business so that you can be the best service provider for your clients. And, um, you know, Owning that and, and uh, embracing that mindset can radically change a business if you say that to yourself every day and actually believe it and then take action based off that idea. Yeah, maybe the better way to say that is my business is my number one client. So it's yeah. it's not that it's necessarily, right. you know, being treated, you know, so much better or whatever, but but in order to serve all of your other clients, you do have to treat your business in a way that keeps it going, keeps it fresh, you know, invents new products, you know, able to deliver on the services that you provide, your business should be your number one client. Yes. And finally, I just want to wrap with something else Liz shared that resonates with me. She said, if you do not hype yourself, no one else will. And, you know, for many of us, it's, it's hard to do that, right? It just we kind of are humble naturally, and it feels uncomfortable to talk about or even brag about. Uh, your wins and all the amazing things you're doing for your clients and your business. Um, but, you know, Liz is right. Like no one else will do it. And if you don't share uh, what you're doing and how you're helping people, it's going to be that much harder to help more, you know, ideal clients if they're not hearing about the results you're creating for your own business or for your clients' businesses. Yeah, absolutely. We want to thank Liz Wilcox for joining us on the podcast today. If you want to connect with her or check out the different products that she's created, the things that she offers, you can go to lizwilcox.com. And I'll just point out the top right of her website. There's a little offer for free email templates. Go ahead and click that if you want to get on her list and check out everything that she sends out. She's, she's a great email writer uh, and her newsletter is a fun one to be subscribed to. So check it out. That's the end of this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast. The intro music was composed by copywriter and songwriter Addison Rice. The outro was composed by copywriter and songwriter David Muntner. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please visit Apple Podcasts to leave your review of the show. 
And if you're ready to invest in yourself and your copywriting business as you scale and finally achieve your goals, visit copywriterthinktank.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Copywriters coming together to help the world write better. Copy and make more money. Kira and Rob's Copywriters Club.